You're listening to Early Learning Review Radio. Welcome to Early Learning Review. You're with Gemma Purvis. I'm speaking to Gwen Bridge, who is recently been awarded an AM in the Order of Australia as part of the Queen's Birthday Honours. Congratulations, Gwen. Thank you very much, Gemma. You got awarded the uh, the AM for your services to early learning and childcare. How long have you been in the industry for? Come December, 30 years. Wow. That's so quite a long time, yes. It is quite a long time because... Whilst there are some people who last that long in the industry, you do see a lot of people getting burnt out. Oh, well, there certainly are. And it's a sector that when you are passionate and you have every child's interest at heart, it certainly does take its toll on you at times when you know you have certain worries about children, about staff and about the, you know, the whole sector. So, uh, yes, it's a matter of um, diversifying a little bit every so often, I think, to um, keep to keep that passion burning. didn't start out first as an educator. I owned first. <laughs> that was the biggest cultural shock of my life. I cried for a year and then I thought, right, I have to get some qualifications, and, uh, which I, I set about doing. And um, it just, instead of it being what was going to be a job, it became, um, it collided with my passion. And um, it just went from there. It just, uh, the more I got involved, the more I wanted to see change. I wanted to see um, the early years become so beneficial for every child. So you mentioned you've been in the industry for 30 years. What do you think are the biggest changes that you've seen over those decades? The the changes have been huge. Uh, When I came in, regulations were sparse. And I think back and we played so much with the children back in those days. And it sort of then went to more paperwork, more documentation. But I'm delighted to say that now we're seeing a return to play and educators starting to play again. And uh, and I think, you know, what a better way to spend your life than with children playing. You mentioned that you started off playing and then it went back to paperwork and now there's a new emphasis again on play. Of course, there are now academic studies being done on the importance of play because that's how kids learn, isn't it? Well, it certainly is. And it, it's just natural for children to do it that way rather than being instructed. And I think we, we've got to still streamline paperwork and ensure that, you know, just what's important is being captured instead of still trying to capture too much in, in the written work. And that does put stresses on our educators. And when you started off, it was more an emphasis on people whose parents worked. And so it was a necessity for the children to go into care, wasn't it? whereas now there's more acknowledgement that it's beneficial for all children even if they do have a parent that is a stay-at-home parent. Yes, that's, um, that's certainly what research is supporting as well. And, and we, we see now that um, children who do have you know, certain years in early childhood are quite able little learners as they head off to formal schooling. And I think you know, we need to keep on keeping on with, with that and ensure that all children have that opportunity for when they commence school. Okay. Now, you're also a founding member of the Queensland branch of the Australian Child Care Alliance. Earlier in the interview, you mentioned that when you started in the industry, there wasn't a lot of regulation. It was one of the reasons you helped found the Australian Child Care Alliance because you felt that there was a need for regulation? The Australian Child Care Alliance came a lot longer after my entry into the, um, the sector. 
but I have been involved in the state associations and federal bodies um, all the way through. And as um, governments change, we always seem to have a, a change in regulation and uh, that was where I got very involved because sometimes what's good in theory doesn't quite work in practice and being a practitioner and a hands-on operator and working in the centres all the time, I was able to look at the um, the policies and, and legislation that was being put forward and, and think, now, how would I implement that and how was, would somebody I know who was running a solo centre in, in the middle of Australia work under that regulation as well? And uh, I think, um, and, and I hope that throughout the years I was able to bring a balance by by doing that in the, the many discussions that I've had with governments over the years. But you do think that there's an important place for these industry associations to help government make the right decisions? Oh, absolutely, because um, you're getting information coming in from such a wide variety of providers, some, you know, with multi-centres and, and as I said, the, the small operator that's struggling in an isolated area. So we're able to, to sort of give a balance. And if we don't know the answers, we have the network to source that information in a, in a relatively fast time. As you say, you can help the the smaller operators because for people who are feeling a bit isolated in the industry, it must be of great benefit to be able to draw on an association to get advice and understand what they need to do a bit better. Well, that's right, because they don't have the resources in uh, many areas or able to network with others and networking is vital it's vital not just for the the um the licensees but also for the educators and this is something that the associations have been able to offer through just general meetings that travel around the states and workshops and conferences early education has been in the news quite a lot over the past year what with the the wages that are paid to early learning educators and they're often paid less than people who are teaching at the primary level despite the fact that many early learning educators also have degrees. Now how do you try and keep your staff motivated because obviously staff retention is a big issue. Retention is a huge issue around Australia and uh, I've got to say that I've got one staff member who's been with me for 30 years and I've got many 25 years and above, 20 years and above and 10 years and above. And I think how you involve your educators every day is very important to retention. And with some of um, our educators, like the early childhood teachers, we do extend on their holidays and other benefits that we do to give to them. But I think also in retention of staff, it's important to know your staff and everybody, you know, goes through ups and downs at times and you need to be aware of, um, you know, how how they're travelling in their own lives and as well as their professional life. For a lot of people, as for yourself, it is a passion and people do it because they love it. Now, one other thing I was wondering about is there's a lot of different topics as well about the design of early learning centres and how they should be laid out and so on. Do you think there's anything in particular that is important within the early learning environment or do you think it's about the staff that you have as opposed to the physical environment? I think your staff are the most important when when you're operating a service and it's uh, ensuring that everyone's working on the same philosophy and that you're all looking for the same outcomes for the children. The physical environment, sometimes they're influential in getting new families because that environment certainly you know, offers something different to another. But as far as the children go, I think as long as there's 
a challenging outdoor environment and um, the internal environment is warm and the children are comfortable. Parents usually know when they walk into a centre if it's where they're going to feel comfortable and I think we need to put a lot on what parents feel and they may not feel comfortable in every centre they walk into. But I do think environments do play a part, a part in the learning for children. I'm curious as well, you've been, you said you've been in the industry for 30 years, it's a long time. What changes do you foresee going forward for the industry? I think one of the biggest changes that we've been seeing happen over a while is small operators and uh, the larger corporations moving in. You know, I, know, I know that uh, they, they still strive to provide the best education. Yes, well, it, it seems to be uh, to be happening and I do still like the idea of the small operator being involved in the local community and knowing all the parents and there is uh, a huge advantage to that because it, is, it takes you a little bit back towards, you know, the village raising the child rather than it being a um, more on a, on a corporate line. When it's a small business, you know that that money that people are paying for the childcare is ending up being reinvested back in the community and wages for the staff and so on, as opposed to it being a corporation where profits can be taken out of the community, can't they? And we're hearing um, rumours at the moment, and I don't know how, how substantiated they are, about a lot of overseas investment coming into Australia, which you know, I, I really think we need to, uh, to look at and, and consider what the ultimate outcomes would be there. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? Probably the, the thing I would like to add is to encourage educators to um, continue on and, um, you know, the profession they've chosen, it will have ups and it will have downs, but, but their, their job is just so important.